Hey guys, we are season two, episode nine. Nine. And we have Jordy Vickery. Hello. Chris Meekins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to change it. It never gets old, though. It doesn't get old. Yeah. It Scott never, it never We were talking about old. Scott's uh, radio voice, but I've got the voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's. Uh, we'll do a survey. Send it to pressing on at gracecma.org okay. and let us know who if if you think chris has a radio voice i'm pretty sure that you do i i'm having a bad voice day so <laughs> <laughs> now he's making excuses that's yes. when you know all right guys well hey listen last month our conversation was all about the verb pressing on and it's it's action oriented right so where we kind of wrapped up last month is that we can't settle for where we would drift but we would press on to where god wants us to get to uh, being intentional about pressing on you know this divine purpose to to live out the fact that god does not want us just to settle for where we're at but to become a better version of ourselves tomorrow so in order to do that we need to break out of our normal that's what we talked about last month Ultimately, God wants us to continue to grow. Rather than just digging deeper, working harder, or using our amazing knowledge to get to the other side of growth, we have to actually seek to surrender. And when we seek to surrender and give the Lord all these things, all the things that we struggle with, we begin to desperately depend on Jesus for everything instead of saying, it's all about me. It's my strength. It's my way. It's I can do this. How do we live the surrendered life? That's what we're going to be talking about this month, being on this journey of pressing on. How do we live out the journey to press on? There's this pastor I love to listen to, Levi Lusco. Have you guys ever listened to Levi Lusco? Just on the radio. Never heard of him. What I like about him is he's a practical preacher, right? So he takes these big concepts and really boils it down and makes it very... um, It's easy for us to hear what he has to preach about. And he uses this example of the power of the paint. He said, if I give you a bucket of paint, you have to apply it to get the end result. Okay. Right? To get the change in the room, Hmm. you physically have to apply the paint. I I feel like that's kind of what sanctification is, is about, right? Seeking to surrender is taking that bucket of paint and saying, Lord, I need your help to apply the paint. Right? Okay. And so this is what he said. I love this phrase. Any information that doesn't have application cannot lead to transformation. And I think in the Christian life, we we see this a lot. We have so much information at the tips of our fingers that we, we can listen to any sermon, anything at any time of the day, and we can always get more information. But what he's saying is, if we don't know how to apply that information, we will never see change in our lives. And so what we talked about last month was pressing on to be this different person to grow. We need to seek to surrender to the Lord. So asking him to help change me, right? So it's not just gaining more knowledge about God. It's actually, I need to get with God. I need to sit with him and get to know him to grow. So it's actually what he's saying is it's self-deception to think that just by gaining more information that I will change. Yeah, knowledge puffs up. And and so there's this self-deception that the world kind of tells us like, well, if you just know more, then you'll you'll change. And that's not true. So we deceive ourselves into believing that just knowing more or having more information is enough. 
And the scriptures tells us something different. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. So uh, we're going to be diving into sanctification. So let, let's start here. There's two types of sanctification. We kind of have to get this out of the way before we can go deeper. Sanctification, what it means, the term means to be set apart, to be set apart from my sin nature and to be set apart for the purposes of God. So we're being set apart for him, for his purposes. And it essentially means to die of our old way of living life. Like for me, a former porn addict, I mean, I have to, I have to set that aside daily still. Yes. So that I don't go back to my old way of life. And it's this habitation, allowing the Holy Spirit to live within me. And we know that when we accept Jesus, that happens. And the fullness of Jesus takes place, takes residence in our life. So it's both this crisis experience, like, okay, I need Jesus in my life. But then there's also the sanctification process is ongoing. It's not just a once and done. It's continual. So it's positional, meaning the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of us. We become a new creation. And that's as soon as I accepted Christ. As, as soon as you accept Jesus. Okay. You become this new creation. Positionally, you're different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. And it's the moment that that happens that we become this new person. We are positionally changed. But sanctification also is progressive. And this means that it's this ongoing journey after this crisis moment that we experience for the first time in our lives. We daily choose to fully give the Holy Spirit presidency. So initially, residency, the Holy Spirit takes up residency, but we have to then choose to let the Holy Spirit reside or take the the, the reins of our lives. He becomes the president of I our like life. That. Right? So residency and presidency. And it's the presidency where we desperately depend on Jesus for this continual growth. So sanctification is both positional and progressive. Okay. The Holy Spirit takes up residency and we choose to give him presidency in our daily lives. Now, and I want to clarify yeah. our daily lives. It happens on a daily basis. Daily basis. basis. Okay. We the the per, the presidency portion is daily, okay? Now, God's will like I said is positional and progressive. This is what's interesting. Scripture says that Jesus desires for everyone to positionally know him, right? That he can take up residency in everybody's life. We see that in the scriptures. But he also desires for all believers to grow in knowing him while working out our salvation, working out this progressive sanctification. His desire, his will is for every person who knows Jesus to continue to grow, to progressively grow in their faith. So progressive sanctification is a choice. That's what we're talking about today is progressive sanctification. It's this choice to continue to grow. I love Hebrews 10, 14. It says that the perfect sacrifice of Jesus was made possible for believers to continue being made holy on a daily basis. So we are continually being made holy. We are continually setting aside more and more. We're being set aside more and more for him, for his purposes. So that is that pressing on perspective that we talked about last month. And probably one of my favorite verses on sanctification is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to read it. 
This is from the NIV. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, not sinless, but blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. This is what's so awesome about it. The, the surrender part is this. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So it's this mysteriousness that we're going to be talking about today. What does it mean to live the sanctified life, this progressive sanctification that begins with a crisis moment, but then is this ongoing, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus on a daily basis. I'm becoming, I'm pressing on to become a different version of myself tomorrow. Probably my favorite sections of scripture about this, though, it lies in Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's really cool. Romans 6, if you dive into it and read it after this podcast, Romans 6 is all about the potential that we have as Christians. You have the potential to live this amazing life as a follower of Jesus, meaning holy, meaning like very close to God. You can live super close to the living God and you can walk this amazing life pretty close to the way that God intended it to be originally in the original design. Romans 6 gives you permission. What shall we say then? I already continue in sin so that grace might increase. May it never be. Correct. How shall we who have died to Christ? And so it goes on. It, it right. gives so you the, the... You don't the, have to live that way anymore. gives you the freedom. It says, here, here's what you get. And you know, it's like when, when you look at what, like, what, what, is, what does a football player look like, right? Or you might say, what does an artist look like? Like there's two different pictures in your mind, right? Okay. Romans 6 is giving you this picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is the potential that you have to be a follower of Jesus. What I love though, Romans 7, I totally relate to. Sure. Paul says, you know, the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. I keep doing it. I don't understand. And, and the, the language that I use, like for Scott Lessing's life, I still suck. Like, that's what I hear Paul saying here, right? Like, I still stink. Like, I, yeah. I, like what he just talked about in Romans 6, he's saying, I can't attain that. You do. What, I still suck? Stink. <laughs> Soften blow. There we go. And so I really resonate with Paul. And then he goes on to say, like, and the things that I want to do, like the way yeah. I want to live, I, I want to press on to become this better version of myself. I can't do it. Like, what is my problem? Even though I really, really, really want to. Right. I have this amazing desire, but I, I, I stink at it. I'm trying so hard. And for Paul, he had the pedigree, right? Like right. he had every reason to, for people to say, if anyone can do this, Paul, you can. And he's saying, no, I can't. I, I really, really stink at this. Th this is where Paul sits. He, he sits in this Romans, the, the end of chapter 7, verse 24, he says, you know, I still stink. I can't do it. The things I don't want to do, I, I, I keep doing the things that I try to do. I can't seem to do it. This is what he says. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What he's saying is like, I have to surrender because I've been trying to live out the potential I have as a follower of Jesus and I can't do it. The only way that I can do it is I have to surrender. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking, I, I think about this topic a lot and, you know, because we're always uh, in youth ministry, I'm always telling students, like, especially the younger you are, we're very primitive in our understanding of God. Okay. And part of that is always leaning more like works-based. 
Hmm. And so we're always pushing like, listen, like, listen, like, I know you can't do it. I know you can't be what your parents want you to be, what you think a good Christian is, what you know God wants you to be. You need to surrender. But at the same time, it's also a lot of strength that we bring to the table. I firmly believe that God makes it doable oftentimes you know we've heard those stories about like an addiction and they're like hey i've never desired this again after i was saved and that's great but for every one of those we know the other 52 right you know who say no no i still right. i still have to wrestle and fight against this and you know be cautious the rest of my life and first corinthians ten thirteen talks about no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to mankind but God is faithful to provide a way out. And so you see the sense of Paul's like, listen, your struggle isn't special. God's not like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with that? Like, like it's okay. It's normal. And God's going to be faithful to make a way out. Doesn't say anything about making it easy. And so I, I think we have to walk in that tension of, okay, this is by God's power. It absolutely is. But if I stumble, I can't turn around and say, well, God didn't give me enough power. I, I need to have faith that a- as I walk with the Lord and when I do put it in his court, not when I think I'm going to do it on my own, but when I put it in God's court, that he's making it doable. And so I really need to bring it to the table. And there's even times where I'm like, man, if I handle this situation poorly or I give in to this right now, like there's moments where I think of this passage and I'm like, I have I have what it takes as a believer. I could lean on God and I could do the right thing right now, or I could give in. And I and I it's, if I do, it's no one's fault but mine because I have a Savior who's willing to get me through this, who's willing to walk me through this temptation. Let me go back to that. Um, you know, we always have a, a way of escape. I don't think that we really talk about that. Do we have a plan? Do we have an escape plan? I mean, do we actually say, "Hey, I need to have an escape plan." We probably should talk about that maybe down the road. Just like, what are you doing to set yourself up to know that God has provided a way? You're you're not stuck there. You just have to open your eyes. And a lot of times it's like people will be easy on themselves, but it's not always a healthy version of grace. Right. A lot of times it's this avoidance of like, I'm just going to lower my expectation and really be easy on myself because that standard is scary. Like holiness is scary and oh you can't judge me you know but to actually walk into that call of holiness and to look it in the eye and to know that you fall short but to not feel shame that's healthy grace and i think that's less often found yeah and with grace i mean in order to receive grace you do have to repent first right there's a repentance that needs to happen to receive the grace so that we can see it clearly for what it is is that when you're looking like when i was be looking at my kids going I know you're saying you're sorry, but I'm pretty sure you don't mean it. <laughs> I mean, do you think that God looks at us like that? Oh, sure. I, I think that we we, we do. But I, w- what we see here with Paul is that there's this desperate. Like, he he, he says, what a He's wretched. He's really being authentic. He's being so, what a wretched man I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm a piece of junk is what he's saying, right? And so there there is this authenticity with his desperation that he can't do it on his own anymore. Hmm. And, you know, so for, for us, you know, this position of surrender, as you said, Jordy, it's, it's actually a position of strength. Yeah. But how do, how, is it possible? You know, can we really rest in what, you know, what we did last week to 
prove our sanctified life. Like we were sanctified last week. I'm progressively growing. Can I just rest in that? Or do I have to, how do I have to continually do that on a daily basis? And if I do, how do we do it? Yeah. And and this is the thing. I think sometimes, you know, I talked about the strength piece. We overemphasize the surrender. I think that some, we, we, Often, you know, we sing songs about in worship, you know, you might say we don't sing the words positional sanctification, but we sing about positional sanctification, being saved, justification, being washed clean, you know? And I think there's a sense of us that's like, I can rest in that, but progressive sanctification is work is what am i going to do it today? is it is the grind you know and yeah. so like you know I, i'm not gonna beg worship leaders to be like i'm gonna rest in the washing of christ but i'm gonna work hard to be faithful you know like <laughs> like you, you don't you don't need but there's that tension and i think that's the difference between the two is like you know, positional sanctification, think like, oh, thank you, God. And then progressive sanctification, think like someone trying to like chisel and extract pimples on your face. And it's, and, and you know, and <laughs> that's like, disgusting. It, it's this, that, like, that's a junior high statement. But it's this, it's this like grind. It's this dying to self. It's this ongoing, ongoing thing, you know. I, I, and I, th- I think this is interesting. Um, just something Paul said in First Corinthians. 15 starting in verse 9 he said for i am the least of the apostles and do not even i'm not i don't even deserve to be called an apostle right and you've got that sense of just like what you quoted in romans 7 like you know just that realness of like oh like you know he's looking in the eye like how he falls short because i persecuted the church of god he's like yeah like what worse can you do (laughs) right and but he says by the grace of god I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. And and so interesting, this next line, no, I worked harder than all of them. Like the other apostles, he's like, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. And, And so there's this sense of it's actually Paul's progress is actually a grace of God. It's not just like Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. It's actually that the process of sanctification is a blessing to us. It's freedom from burdens, from depravity, from sin, and it's walking into more godlikeness. And that's a that's an amazing blessing that we get to experience as well. And I, I think that's I think that's amazing. Um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask, I'll throw this to you first, Chris. Just like so, we're in progressive sanctification. Okay, and we've got we we've got this journey of God pruning us. We surrender, but there's strength. Like just practically, how do we live out the Christ life? How do we how do we walk? What are some ways that we could we get more sanctified? I think I for me the the difficulty is I've always felt like. Kind of like what Paul was saying. Sometimes I'm like, this is like really stupid. Why can't I be like Pastor Scott, which has never come out of my mouth, by the way. <laughs> but, but see, he's in front of me, I'll say it. But why can't I be like Pastor Jonathan? I'm like, if I was just like Pastor Jonathan, I could witness to people. I could tell them what's in my mind. I'd be so eloquent. Well, here's the problem. I'm not Pastor Jonathan. Hmm. And, and so I have to understand that I am who I am. Like Paul just said, this is who I am, but but glory be to God that even though I am this person, I've become this person through 
I don't want to say hard work. So one of the things years ago, there's this there's this pamphlet that we read, and it's called My Heart's Christ Home. Yeah, and it that talks, was big for me. I read that in high school. That's like an amazing it because is so good. What it does, it talks about, and if you don't have it, you can probably find it on a PDF form on the interweb. And you would be able to to read this, and, and what happens is we invite Christ into our house. And we'll say we had a nice house, and there was a foyer. And he's in there. But he says, well, I'd like to go back into the kitchen. We're like, well, you can't go back into the kitchen. That's kind of a mess. I really don't want you going there. And finally, you're like, oh, okay, let's. you can come into that part of my life. And it cleans it up. And so there's there's this work of saying, okay, Lord, as you ask me, and we know what God asks us. We know when he asks us to do something. And we say, no, not today. Mm. But it's when we do say, okay, I'll let you in. I'll let you see, as the world calls it, the skeletons in my closet. Yeah. And when I do those things, God just, all of a sudden, the house is in order. All of a sudden, the rooms are clean. And it's it's a great visual. It was a great visual for me, obviously for yeah. you too. I, yeah, I think I remember the closet smelled bad. Yeah, like like Jesus was offended by the smell of the closet, and he was so ashamed to let him in. Yeah, and so I I grew up in a world of chaos, and so you know, God forbid that we'd let anybody in our house. I mean, nobody was allowed up upstairs in my house, and so so there was this chaos, and God was like, you know, so I was able to identify with it. And I was able to say, okay, well, what do you want first? What are we going to work on first? Because it's not like, poof, it's over. It just doesn't happen. Now, like you said, there's people that get set free from, or I think Jordy said it, from addictions immediately. But there's other people that is like, no, I just can't do this step by step. And so, mine, mine was not. Coming out of porn was not a, I mean, it wasn't immediate. It was a step by step. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mine coming out of alcoholism, it, it was, I got set free. The problem is I didn't understand how to live life. I mean, I was an angry person, and we talked about that yeah. uh, before. And so, and so, what are the fruits of living a sanctified life? I think what happens. I'm reading this other book, the the, the War of Art. And so, what it talks about is 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 you have this pressure, this world pressure. There's always a pressure on us. And as as I break through, as I push through these things, I find out on the other side, oh, there was a victory there. There was a there was, and so, I've lived my life pretty much i think how god designed me and then all of a sudden i look down at the end and it i feel like that's good being honest i feel like i've won mm -hmm. and i'm like well how did i win and god's really like no just live your life as you are the way you are how i designed you not like jonathan not like jordy not like scott like chris and when you do that the the holy spirit through his, you know, we call it sanctification. All of a sudden, these things happen because I was just obedient to be the man that God created me to be. And that's so difficult mm. to just say it's okay to be me. And you surrender that. It's difficult daily because I really want to be like Pastor Jonathan. That's not <laughs> I really, hope he that's listens. not true, Jonathan. <laughs> that's not true, Jonathan. What about you, Scott? For me, I started, you know, this is probably 12 or 13 years ago now. I did not know how to move from chapter 7 yeah. to being transformed. Like, how can I, chapter 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about living as a transformed person. And the way we do it, we're renewed in our mind. So what I had to do was I had to say to the Lord, 
I need you to search me and know me because my closet is stinky. Right. And I, I, have a, I have a great story on that. And I'm not even willing to open up to see what it looks like well, inside there. Dude, two weeks ago. So it, it's, <laughs> it's August 23rd. We're recording right now. August 23rd for the August launch or, or what do we call it? The drop. The, yep. I get made fun of all the time for saying that. And then I just forgot it. So I'm not really cool. See, but um, I, oh, two weeks ago, beginning of August, my daughter, something doesn't smell right in her room. <laughs> she's gonna be so mad at me. She you. is. She's gonna be so mad at me. And come to find out what happened, she did not unpack her lunchbox from the last day of school. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's. I mean, it almost makes me dry heave right now. It smelled so bad. Wow. And so when I got home, the smell was still lingering in the house. Right. Even though you throw it away, right. There's still effects. From the way, so it's this continual search me and know me, search me and know me, search me and know me. And so I still, to this day, Psalm 139, I, I'm i living out, I read it every morning and sometimes two or three times a day if I'm really struggling for the Lord to search me and know me. And, you know, Colossians 127, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, and the mystery is Christ in you. And, you know, to me, that's how do we, how do I live the Christ life, Christ in me? Like, how do I live that daily? If you go into Colossians 3, it talks about that, the first 12 verses, like practical ways that we can actually live out holy living or pressing on or the Christ life, whatever you say, whatever we call it, how do we live, how do we get to Romans chapter 12? Living transformed. Like, how can I really overcome the wretchedness of who I am? Paul says, yes. I mean, he tells us in Romans 8, yes, you can, but there's there's something that, it's a real battle for us to allow the Holy Spirit to reside and have power inside of us. So let me ask a question to both you guys. For the guy that's listening, it's like, I don't know if they understand how wretched I am. I mean, I'm into this or that or the other thing. Do you think, I mean, don't you think it, like everybody's got a... a a dark side or has some wretchedness in them it's, I, is it normal yeah is I, if what you're talking about normal oh sure right i mean we were talking before the podcast like one of the things that i think most of us struggle with is to be known we just want to be known and valued right, right? and being known sometimes can take over like well i want to be the popular one or i want to be known more than that person or right. and and how to so no matter like we are always wrestling with this wretchedness within us the you know the the inherited dna that we got from adam and eve of sin like like it, it's a wrestling match daily whatever it is it could just be getting angry in the car like i struggle with like how do we overcome that yeah well i think that this is good because there's there, there's like it's not bad news but for like your daily life it's almost like sanctification has good and bad news to it it's almost like if you were in a pit and you were trying to get out and someone just dropped you a book on how to jump higher. You know, there's a sense of that, like, there's a part of it that like is, listen, God's made this doable for you. And so like, you're without excuse not to go forward. Like God's going to fill in that gap. There's no, I can't knock this addiction. I can't become holy. And it's almost like, there's like a part of us that's like gulp that it's like, I don't, I don't want that to be true. I want to pretend that's not true. I, I want to pretend that I'll never defeat that area of my life. Like I want to keep my edge or certain freedoms. There's also a part of this though, that when you, when you really sit down and you're honest and you look yourself in the eye 
in in the mirror and you're ashamed of like, wow, I, I I treat my family this way, or I'm not able to do this, or I can't be fully honest in my life, whatever it is, that there's actually, there's hope, you know, it's that there's this deep hope that like, wow, God is not, God does not want to leave me that way. He doesn't want to just positionally save me. He wants to literally conform me and I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck here. I'm not stuck anywhere. And that to me, that that's it. Because in that battle, there's practical steps, but a lot of it for me is a mind game. And I just have to go back to that, that faith that like, there's a part of me that's like, oh shoot. Like if I, if like I'm without excuse, God's going to fill in that gap. Like, you know, like whatever shortcomings I have, he's, he just wants to take that. And so, that there's a sense of like, for me, that faith that it's doable is everything. Yeah. Every, it, that's the difference between losing and winning is all right. I'm going to, I'm going to go deep, man. Go. So I'm sorry, Joyce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I'm going to say this. So a lot of men, uh, struggle with 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 you know the flesh, and uh, the thing that I've struggled with my whole life not my whole life was when I was married and I get you know mad or my wife would go out of town. I'm like, who am I going to replace her with? I know that sounds sick, but men can understand this. You're saying and like if Joyce dies, if Joyce died, or if she left me or yeah. whatever, who would I replace her? With? And I'm like, this is not healthy. This is not good, and and I've struggled with it. I mean, it's partly being codependent. And just a few years ago, I, I asked God, could you please release me from this? I mean, it's wrong. I mean, here's this person that's been faithful and kind to me and and loved me. And the minute she's out the door for more than an hour, I, I go down this path. And so and and I and I never really thought it was a problem because, you know, whatever, you'd snap out of it. But I, I think it's where where we, we're, we're trying to get there, and we're trying to not think that, but I have no clue on how to get out of it. So you you were sitting in the What a Wretched Man I Am. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there it's, thinking. I, I wanted to tell you, I really appreciate you sharing that, because I think that there's a lot of people, men and women, yeah, who think or, ha, or have thought at one point in their life, what if that happens? What would it's, I do? We're fantasizing. We're we're living in a dream world, and so and so. I ask God. I go. Can you take this away from me? And 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 I prayed. I, and I I mean I was repentive. I was all the all the other things because I know that I was never going to go forward without with that still hanging there. Yeah. And so um, it wasn't. It was probably about two years ago. And I think um, I think I might have shared it with you, Scott. But it was about two years ago. All of a sudden, it's like that doesn't happen anymore. I, I really, I'm like, why would I replace her when I have when I have her and there's nobody better? God has given me a new love for Joyce at a level that I never knew existed, mm-hmm. and and so it was because I was willing to push into the, my wretchedness, yeah, and say this is like really nasty and I don't like it. Yet I'm asking you to set me free, and when you do that and you do it authentically, God will do that. He will answer your prayers. And and there's probably things that I did differently, but I, I noticed a couple of weeks ago I was just like I'm like, and I was gonna go down a path, and I'm like, why would I do that? I'm I'm like totally in this, and I'm like, that's a gift from God. That was a gift from God for pushing into. I'm wretched. What can I do, God? And and so you were at that point Sorry, of Joyce, surrender. I love you. 
<laughs> you were at that point of surrender, and you were desperately depending on the Lord, right? And and what Romans eight tells us is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can actually get to the other side. The Holy Spirit fills that gap in right. our lives, and this is what's cool. What I love what Romans eight says. You know, we we celebrate the cross a lot, right? The death of Jesus, and we talk about the resurrection. But what this is what's amazing about the resurrection, the empty tomb, is that the, the scripture says in Romans 8, 11, that the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives within each of us, and we have the potential energy, right? We talk about that in it's science. There. The potential power of the Holy Spirit to eradicate anything in our lives, to give us the strength to overcome everything in our life, to say no to this and yes to the Lord, to say no to whatever and yes to growth, to becoming that better version of our so we actually can become the better version of ourselves by saying I'm what a wretched person I am mm-hmm. desperately and, depending and, on and the it Lord. goes on right after that verse is saying to become the man that he created or woman that he created for me a long time ago when the world began he has a plan for me and I have the power now to do that when I push into him yeah I'll um <clears throat> I don't know if we'll end with this or what but I just wanted to throw this in. I, a lot of theologians, there's been conversation on why is sanctification, why is there an element of it that's progressive? Like, why doesn't God just, like, he knows the end goal. He has the ability. He could do it in a moment, you know? It, it, like, it, it's completed upon death. Like, why not just sanctify us wholly to begin with, you know? Why, why, why make you, you know... 20, 30 years into being a believer, God's still pruning and you're still moving. Why? You know, like you've got animals who walk out of the womb. Why do babies take years? You know, God doesn't have to do it that way. And there's a sense of a lot of theologians have turned around and after studying it and saying it's actually a mercy yeah. and it's a, it's a gift that, that God's made it that way because we constantly, we stay connected to the vine. We stay connected to God as the source of like this holiness as we stay on earth and it keeps us coming back and staying hydrated and staying in step and that not only being conformed to God's image is a blessing, but actually creating the system in which we're interdependent on him for who we're meant to be is also a blessing. And it really is like when you think progressive, like I think all the time I just think like, man, it is so progressive, you know, <laughs> like like that word belongs. It's awesome. But all he wants is a relationship with me. And it's so hard. I was talking to somebody after church yesterday. We need a lesson just on the fact that it's okay. All God wants is to be in a relationship with me. I have to do nothing more. I want to do more to tell people about the great things he's yeah. done to me. But in all reality, all God wants is a relationship with me. That's all he's asking for. He says, I want to be in a relationship with you. And, and that's exactly what God wants. And, and, and the answer to pressing on is to continually be in a relationship with Jesus. Mm, that's right? good. Right? John 15, you know, stay connected to the vine. There's lots of ways you can. We want to encourage you in so many things. My goodness, there's a lot of things. But this is the most important thing continually meet with Jesus, go to him, continually meet with him. You know, Matthew 6, he says, meet with me in that small closet, that prayer closet. Just meet with me. Pray, talk to me, read my word, get to know me deeper. There's a lot of ways you can do it. There's a lot of tools out there. A lot of people want to tell you that this is the way. 
I don't know what is the best way no. for you, but I know that we all, each one of us and each one of you listening, there's a way that you can get closer to Jesus. And we want you to search for that, dive into that, go after it and continue to go deeper with Jesus. Give him more and more territory in your life so that you can become the better version of yourself tomorrow because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Open the door to the next room to say, God, okay, I'm, not, I'm willing to let you look at this room. And then finally, uh, I met with Jamie this morning, uh, Jamie Norton, one of our counselors. And one of the things that we talked about is at the end of the day, what should I do? I'll just do the next right thing. Yep. If I do the next right thing, God, God is like, cool, cool. Desperate dependence on the Holy Spirit. All right, guys. See you next month.